0: Assalamu alaikum. Greetings of peace, loved ones. This is Baraka Blue, and you're tuned into Path and Present podcast. This episode is with Dr. Malik Badri. Dr. Badri is a psychologist and professor of psychology at the International Islamic University of Malaysia, where he's been a professor for a few decades, uh, over a couple decades actually. And this was a great honor because I was able to sit with him during his last week before retiring. And so, he's really reflecting on his life and his journey. He's well into his 80s, and he's lived an amazing and really uh, multifaceted life. So, he's reflecting on that, and his specialty is in Islamic psychology. Um, and particularly, he's looking at the tradition of psychology historically in Islam, ilm nafs, and then how that relates to the modern world. So... I first became aware of him because that's an area of interest for me, and I found a book called Contemplation, an Islamic psycho-spiritual study in which he <coughs> uh, really looks at the idea of tafakkur, meditation or contemplation, and its effect on the soul. Um, he's also written the, a book called The Dilemma of Muslim Psychologists. Um, he wrote a book or translated a book of Abu Zayd al balkhi which is called Sustenance of the Soul and is a cognitive behavior therapy text um, that was written in the ninth century. So he's looking at classical Islamic texts on psychology. What does it say about the soul? Of course, psychology means, literally, study of the soul. And so he's reflecting on that in the modern context, and um, he has a lot of really interesting insights. He's definitely a pioneer in that field. So just that alone makes him a, a really interesting guest. But in addition, he is someone who was a very dear friend of Al-Hajj Malik Shabazz, also known as Malcolm X. Allah So I wanted to explore his relationship with Malcolm and especially because he was friends with Malcolm early on when Malcolm was in the nation and first traveled abroad and first went to Africa, to the Sudan, which is where Dr. Badri is from. And he befriended him there and they became close and he hosted Malcolm. And then he maintained a relationship with Malcolm all the way through Malcolm's kind of transformations uh, into uh, Sunni Islam and then through his travels and then up until his last days. So he shared his interactions and his relationship with Malcolm and that was a beautiful, beautiful thing. So I'll let you... Listen because basically this is a 2 hour podcast i believe something around there and uh mostly i just let him talk i asked a few questions but um he was very generous with his time and amazingly you know generous of spirit you know and he's somebody who's in his mid 80s but he has this like twinkle in his eye that is like incredibly youthful he has this timeless quality and just being in his presence was was really sweet, you know, and really healing. Um, And it was a great honor because my intention with Path and Present is to magnify and share the stories in our communities, but particularly to preserve the stories of our elders and those of our predecessors, our Salaf, um, because they won't be here forever, and many of them are passing from this realm every day and every week. So... Uh, It was a great honor to have him telling his story, especially as he was looking back on his life and his career uh, and getting ready to retire and return to his country of origin. So I'll give you the podcast, and I pray you enjoy. Um, Lastly, thank you so much for supporting Path and Present with your prayers, with your uh, sharing it, commenting, liking, rating it on iTunes, Uh, thank you very much. If you want to support financially and keep us going, you can do so um, through Patreon. Patreon.com slash path and present is our page there. And that allows you to give an amount that is easy for you uh, on a monthly basis. Yeah. So shout out to everybody who's contributing and who's supporting and allowing us to devote the time to it and also allowing us to take the time to travel to meet these people um you know i happened to be in malaysia for some a, a tour and i carved out a few days afterwards um just to do nothing but meet people for the podcast so uh dr buzzri was at the top of the list and there's a few other people that i was able to sit with Alhamdulillah, in, in malaysia so hopefully in the coming Weeks, I'll be sharing those as well. Yes, keep me in your prayers, keep me in your love and light. If you heard some loud animal noises while I'm recording this, uh, be not alarmed. I'm halfway in the jungle, halfway in a rural village in Indonesia, so there's a lot of birds and a lot of chickens and uh, who knows what else out here. So forgive. The cockadoodle doing, and until next time, it's all love. So. Dr. Maddock, it's an honor to be here to meet you. Thank you very much. And it's interesting when you've read someone's works and benefited from them but never met them to finally meet them. Alhamdulillah. So, Alhamdulillah. it's an honor yeah. to meet you. So, I want to uh, ask you about your work and your life especially now as you're at the end of your many years here at the yes. university yes um, and particularly looking at when I read your book about uh, contemplation yes it's the idea that psychology no. is you know psyche in Greek is the soul no. Mm. The study of the soul Yes But In the modern world Psychology seems to have lost its soul No <laughs> And of course In the Islamic tradition There's this profound Concept of the soul And the Ilm and nafs no. ruh And no. the Qalb And the, no. the, the The levels of the nafs no. the, the of the Nafs al-amara bisu Nafs al-lawama Nafs al-mukma'ina And all these terms So and, of course, I also want to get to um, your relationship with Malcolm. Yes. So, but maybe first you could speak about your journey and your studies and your research and your life. Yeah. And then maybe we could get into the modern world, the materialist kind of reductionist idea of what is the human being yes. versus what do, what is the traditional Islamic understanding of the soul? No, no. Yes.
1: So, inshallah. Bismillah uh, ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa salim. Thank you very much, Brother uh, James. Uh, I am uh, honored. to to have this uh, interview. uh, I'm a Sudanese, born in uh, February, 1932. So uh, it was 16th of February, 1932. I just have had my 85th birthday, a few... uh, A few days ago, Uh, I was born in a small town. At the time, it was like a village. In uh, this little small town, its name is Rufa'a, by the Blue Nile. It's about uh, two hours from uh, the city, the capital city, Khartoum. Mm -hmm. Uh, my father was an educator. He was the uh, the first person to start a girls' school in the Sudan, mm-hmm. and he started this school in nineteen zero seven. So uh, now this this little kindergarten became a university for women. So they have had a uh, hundred years since he started his uh, the school uh, the name of the school is ahfad and ahfad stands for uh, the plural for grandson hafid because uh, the, the the natives the people the sudanese in that place refused uh, girls education so he started with his own grandchildren so he called it grandchildren's school. So now the Ahfad is a university with uh, seven faculties uh, in the capital of the Sudan. When I was born, I was born at the time in which my father, uh, when he found it very difficult to continue, he moved the school to the capital. Uh, in the very same year in which I was born. I, all my education, primary and secondary education, was in uh, my father's school in the Ahfad. And then I, 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 I stayed for a, a year or so in the University of Khartoum. Then I got a scholarship to study in the American University of Beirut. This is where I went in 1953. I got my first and second degrees from the American University, and I got my PhD from Leicester University, Mm -hmm. England. Now, uh, I was not intending to study psychology. uh, When I went to the American University, I was to study general science physics chemistry and biology to come back as a teacher in our school i loved physics and the head of the department at the time wanted me to major in physics when i came in the second year in the university i uh, started biology i then i shifted to biology and then uh, we took courses compulsory courses in psychology then after this i found that i I loved this area more than any other area, education and psychology. So I I graduated from the American University. And uh, because it was a degree with distinction, I was given a Rockefeller scholarship for one year, during which I finished my master's. And then the British Council gave me a scholarship to study for my PhD, which, alhamdulillah, I finished... uh, I was in Leicester, but I used to go to to Leeds, for my supervisor was in Leeds in the Department of Psychology. It was very nice uh, time, uh, bit of a jihad, if you can call it, you know, intellectual jihad, because I uh, I was very poor at the time. the 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 British Council gives a scholarship to the student about thirty nine sterling pounds, to eat, to drink, to uh, wash his clothes, uh, to um, transport himself, whatever.
0: 39 pounds a month? A month, So you were living on, wow, that's about a pound a day, just (laughs) a
1: little over a pound a day. (laughs) Yeah, because at that time, of course, things were cheap, but Mm -hmm. still it was very little for at the time. And then I uh, already was in Leicester because I... I married that year, and my wife was with me in Leicester. I didn't like Leeds in comparison. Leicester was was neither a big city nor also a, a too small. It was, it was a very nice place. So I, I, I liked Leicester very much. So, But I had to, to see my supervisor every two weeks, three weeks. And the, the price of the railway ticket was too high for me. So I simply uh, started to save a little bit of money. And then I bought a Vespa, used Vespa. So I would drive this Vespa all the way from Leicester to Leeds. But whenever I arrived there, it would be late in the afternoon. And then I did not pray Zuhur and Asr. So I... uh, I, I didn't know where to go. In 1953, things were very different from today, you see. So I, uh, I went to a church. Uh, somehow it, it, uh, I discovered it is a, a Unitarianist church. Mm-hmm. So the priest told me, please come and pray. And if you come at any time in which the church is closed, this is my house next to the church. Just ring the bell, I will open the church for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, alhamdulillah, it was very na- time. At that time, uh, things were very different from today. This was the pre Daesh uh, yeah, yeah. uh, period. Pre so, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Alhamdulillah, I was able to finish my PhD degree in uh, in two years and I came back uh, to Sudan, yeah. yeah. Uh, my time in the American University of Beirut. this is the time in which a uh, big change has happened in my life. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and when I was reading your paper about that time, because I've been to the American University in Beirut, it's a mm-hmm. very beautiful campus. Yes. Um, you know, it looks out on the Mediterranean. It's yes. amazing. Yes. But uh, you mentioned at that time it was still seen as uh, where they were going to have classes on Christianity in the church forced for the Muslim students three times a week. There was still this idea of we need to kind of like civilize or or indoctrinate.
1: Yes, yes, yes. You see, the the university was um, until I think the 20s or so, it was uh, not the American university. Its name was the Syrian Protestant College. So when it became the American University of Beirut, they still had the same uh, uh, Christian missionary spirit. And uh, what they did was to... Uh, and of course, it was really a, a, a tacit uh, sort of a mission to, uh, to change the Muslim youth, not... Uh, they know that they cannot make them Christian as such. Uh, A person who already started as a youngster to believe in one God, one supreme God, almighty God, cannot be uh, uh, sort of changed into believing in Trinity and these things. So the issue was to make them... the to civilize according, between two uh, quotations, yeah. to civilize the Muslim uh, student, mm-hmm. and to change him into uh, a westernized person, sure. Americanized. So, uh, but still the Christian aspect was there. Uh, we were forced to attend this uh, called assembly. It is a three-credit hour, uh, like a course. Everyone has his seat if he's absent, they will know he's absent, and he's allowed only three cuts per semester. So um, we used to come to listen generally, the talks would be uh, within this line of secularization and then uh, not clearly a Christian uh, but a, a sort of uh, disguised within a framework of uh, secularization. Mm-hmm. Then after the talk is finished, then the organs will start beautiful music and then they will read a hymn and everybody is to stand up. The Christian students would read the hymn. The Muslims will just stand there to say, this is this is what's forced on us three sure. times. If you say I don't want to attend, they will not force you, but you will have to take alternative uh, activity. Mm. They give you books to summarize, Mm. do this, which is very difficult, you (laughs) see. Yeah, yeah. And uh, many, of course, Muslim students would say they are already overburdened with uh, assignments and things, so they will just come to the the church. Mm. These were held in the university church. So... um, I think it was a a very uh, well-organized plan. Uh, We used, there is a compulsory course for every student, whether he's in medicine or engineering or history or whatever, he will have to take a course uh, titled uh, Islamic philosophy. Now, this Islamic philosophy is really a course where you begin as a young person coming from uh, uh, Syria or Afghanistan or Pakistan or Sudan, just finished secondary school and accepted Islam as his. Then he comes and then he's taught. Uh, Al-Kindi says uh, the moon is in the second heaven. And he said, you know, all this stuff which the Muslim philosophers Mm -hmm. at the time copied from the Greeks.
0: Right, Mm. the kind of Ptolemaic universe. Yes, yes,
1: and and these things will shock us, you know. Mm. These are our Muslim scholars talking uh, things that are so archaic. So you're
0: saying, oh yeah, this is archaic, this isn't in line with the modern cosmology and modern scientific worldview. Yes. And so you think that in a sense they were trying to present Islam in a way like it's backwards, yes, silly. Yes,
1: yes, yes. Mm. And not only this, but they will come to talk about certain values. You know, Islam is talking about uh, chivalry, but already the Arabs were uh, fighting against each other. Islam mm. spoke about generosity. Already they used to do this in, in their jahiliyyah. So it is, there is nothing new that Islam came with. Not only this, but when it comes to the teaching of history, a little bit of history, they only speak about the uh, war between Ali ibn Abi Talib وجها, and between uh, Muawiyah ibn Abi Sufyan. Uh, also, they speak about Waqat uh, al-Jamal you know, where the problem after the killing of Ismail and so 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 this is the history. This is your history.
0: Right. So they but, basically focus on the the uh, contentious issues and they show yes. the kind of difficult aspects of Islam. Yes. History. I
1: do remember, I mean, whether this was the general curriculum or whether uh, that particular teacher of, uh, who was teaching us was doing. but. It really infuriated me. Mm-hmm. And then I, 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 would, would, I would spend hours whenever he comes and gives one, one, one uh, thing which does not seem to be right, then I will argue with him. Mm-hmm. And the uh, much time of the class is wasted in our arguments, you mm-hmm. see, together. Then I, I will go to the library and read about Islam. Mm-hmm. I did not read the Quran until that time. I didn't read the whole Quran. Only what uh Juza and mm-hmm. this which were taught to us in uh, we had to memorize as 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 uh, as pupils. So now I I had to go to read the Quran. I had in order to be able to So read it was the, really
0: in reaction to this. I mean essentially this is still was this in the fifties that you were there still? In the fifties. So yeah. in the fifties so you're still talking about a Muslim world that's largely I mean, the colonial period is kind of coming to an end. There's these anti-colonial movements. Yeah. But basically, these schools are where the Western powers are saying, okay, we're going to educate and westernize so that we can have a kind of uh, magisterial or administrative elite class of people in in the Muslim world that think like us, that look, that act like us, that dress like us, that eat like us, and they kind of serve our interests. Yes. And
1: they can run their countries for us. Yes, and that is indeed so, because at that time the Sudan was still under British, uh, Mm -hmm. it was colonized by the British. Uh, When I came in 1953, it's only in 1956 that the Sudan got its independence. At that time, people were... uh, uh, what we call high-class people in the Sudan, they were British-oriented completely. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, uh, some of them, they have, will have bars in their in their uh, sitting rooms. Mm-hmm. They will offer uh, uh, mm-hmm. alcoholic drinks to their uh, sure. yeah, guests. So uh, that was the case indeed, yes. So when I came to the American University of Beirut and I had this... I developed this reaction. Uh, As time went on, I became um, really, uh, tried to convince my my lecturer, but I ended up convincing myself. Mm. So it was then that I started to, uh, uh, and this was the the reason why when I started to study psychology, I I could not tolerate the the, 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 the the principles, the theories, and the, the practices of Freudian psychoanalysis. At that time, Freud was the king yeah. of psychology.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so you graduate, and then your experience at the, the university there was your kind of, you could even say you're kind of awakening, being someone who was born and raised Muslim in a Muslim society, but then you're challenged with this alternative worldview, yes. which is actually very critical and looking down on the, the traditional Muslim worldview. And so in response to that, you feel inspired. Like I have to understand my own tradition yes. to really understand, to prove because what they're saying about it, I know in my heart it's not true, but I can't intellectually explain yes. Yes. The, their faults. Yes. So that sparked that. In yes. You. Yes. Yes. So mm-hmm. then you graduate and then after you get your PhD, where do you go?
1: After I got my PhD, uh, I, uh, I, I came back to Sudan. Uh, I wanted, I did not wish to leave the Sudan. But while I was doing my PhD in Leicester, I needed one thesis which uh, one uh, a colleague uh, Classmate wrote at the time and got his, his degree. And I needed that. So I, I, I sent uh, a letter to the uh, head of the postgraduate studies in our department. I remember his name up to now. His name is Korf. And he was a very, very... Uh, uh, I can tell you another story about Korf here, mm-hmm. just for your mm-hmm. interest. When I received a scholarship to study uh, between two inverted commas, I will tell this story. When I got the scholarship, Rockefeller scholarship, to study for my master's, they gave me the scholarship for a year. I want, I must finish my master's in one year. Hmm. So I I divided the courses between the two semesters, and I started to write my thesis. some i the, the the supervisor who was supposed to to do my thesis was uh, an american who was he was a very lazy lecturer so i write a chapter and i bring it to him then i come tomorrow no he i didn't do it the next two weeks three weeks he doesn't read mm. and then one day i i came to Uh, to to the department, to to his office. In the American, in this college hall we have, in the university, we have very large pillars. Mm -hmm. So when I came, I saw him hiding behind the pillars. And then I saw him, so I just went straight to him. His name was Barwood. Uh, Dr. Barwood, uh, you are hiding here from me? Yes, you you caught me. Mm -hmm. Uh, then he said, "I am sorry, I didn't uh, read your chapter yet." Okay, so, so I just went to this Korf. Korf was the head of the of the postgraduate then. So I went to Korf. I I told him the whole story. I don't have time. This man is not going to. I mean, this this was a man whom within my heart I wished if he were a Muslim. Uh, because then he said to me. Uh, don't go to him again. Uh, on paper, he is your supervisor. In reality, I, I, I will be your supervisor. Mm-hmm. Just bring your material to me. So I, I, I told him about my thesis, my subject. I wrote the first chapter. Any chapter I give to him, it would be corrected the next morning and put in the bulletin board for me. Mm-hmm. So he finished the thesis for me and told me, now you take this thesis and go to to Barwood and tell him, look here, you have no right to change a sentence in this. Only you correct the English. Mm -hmm. This is your job. Mm -hmm. So I went to him, I said, look here, Professor Korf tells you, you are only to correct the language of this, but not to make any ideas or any change. He did so. Mm -hmm. Now, this Korf, when I was in Leicester, I sent him, I need such and such, assistance. he sent it to me by, and then uh, he told the head of our department, and then the head of the department wrote to me, you have a job in the American University of Beirut, when you finish your PhD, you have a job, we are having a job for you. So I came back, but I didn't want to go to the American University. I wanted to go to, uh, to work in Sudan. Mm-hmm. The only place there where that suits my uh, specialization was that the, the higher teacher training college. Mm. It was called the Institute of Education at the time. So I applied there, but... Uh, the the, the the people in charge at that time i became an islamically oriented and still the the board the the, the, the the vice the vice chancellor or president of that institute together with the under secretary of the ministry of education everything was in english written in english because at that time still the influence of the british was very strong and they dislike those people who are islamically oriented right. so uh, they refused to accept me mm. at that time I had the letter of uh, of the of the head of department of the american university in my pocket mm. but i was seeking a job in my in, with very low uh, of course the, the 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 pay of the american university is uh, cannot be compared with what I would have gotten in the Sudan. But then they, 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 I found that they were not cooperating. They refused. Hmm. So I, I just went to the American University of Beirut. I do remember when I met the undersecretary, he told me, no, you, you don't teach here. I may take you to teach in a secondary school. Mm. so I said to him okay I leave that and I went to the American
0: University so you wanted to go home and and teach at home and you know and stay in the Sudan stay in your country and you had this uh, degree from you know PhD from a British university but the British controlled uh, Sudan they didn't like that that you were Muslim and that you really represented Islam yeah
1: at that time the Sudan already got its independence but as you said Mm. He, they left behind people who were black in color, mm-hmm. but white in their hearts. Mm-hmm. Not, not white in the sense of, sure. of good heart, mm-hmm. but yes, white in the sense of... They uh, thought like the...
0: the thought British, like right? Europeans, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is very interesting because after that I went to the American University of Beirut. Then I wrote to them a letter. Again, after one year I stayed there, I wrote a letter to the same head of the institute that I wanted to join in Sudan. So I sent him a letter. Uh, but the letter was had the letter head American University of Beirut. And all the, the, at that time, correspondence was in English. So I wrote in English, uh, please, I already applied to you last year, and uh, there was a problem, you didn't take me. Now I am... Uh, applying again and so and so and I signed it. So the letter went to the and the secretary of the and then it was moved. An American from the American universities applied. They didn't even look at the signature, the name there. So they I immediately by return of post I received um, a letter telling me that uh, yes, we did not find your earlier application but now we welcome you, please come. We'll give you a salary. Zone and a very high salary, you see, as an expatriate. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, we, please tell us, have you been in Africa before? Have you had any, um, something, you get malaria, did you get? Right. So I, I, I knew that they thought that I am an American because mm-hmm. they, they didn't look at the, the name. They looked at the, the big name up there, right. American University of Beirut. Then I wrote them a letter. You misunderstood me. I am, Malik Bedri, the one who have applied last year. So they never wrote back to me again. Wow. <laughs> so wow. Yes. So I continued in the American University of
0: Beirut. Uh,
1: it was, I think, a good experience, really. And
0: So how many years did you teach there?
1: I taught really not so many years. I taught for... Uh, Two years then I got uh, uh, an offer from the University of Jordan. Please come to us as uh, visiting uh, uh, senior lecturer or associate professor at the time, and uh, we need someone to to help uh, uh, develop establish the Department of psychology there. Mm-hmm. Before me, there was a Syrian psychologist who stayed for a short time and left. so I went there and I helped to establish the Department of Psychology in the University of Jordan. This was in nineteen sixty three so at what point did you meet Malcolm? Oh, that was very late it was uh, uh, no it was it was much earlier. I think it was in 1958 or so, I just got my MA from the American University of Beirut and I went to Sudan. I spent a year there uh, in our school, in the Akhfadi school. Then somebody told me there is an American Muslim in, the, uh, in this big hotel, you know, at the time, Grand Hotel. Uh, so I I just went to see him as You a, hadn't heard of him. Yet, yeah. No no, I didn't know of the black Muslims mm-hmm. or or Malcolm X or anything. only I just wanted to entertain him as a Muslim. So I went to him. He was so happy to see me. Then I took him, and uh, we um, to the market to other and he had a cine camera, mm-hmm. and he told me the white Americans are telling our black uh, brothers that Africa has no culture. That's what at that time. And now I am coming here to, to document mm-hmm. the culture, you know, of Africans. He came to Sudan. He would tell me about, uh, about the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, he would say. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I uh, knew that he was deviant in his thought. But he was so uh, enthusiastic about it, I did not wish to. I simply tell him about true Islam. So I took him around, we prayed, then we. uh, he he knew the life. Sudanese, in general, are very warm to, to foreigners. And he was very happy to be in Sudan, mm-hmm. and he felt uh, somehow that this this is this is might have been his own uh, country mm-hmm. uh, in the past. You see, mm-hmm. so yeah, he
0: probably looked like a Sudanese. I yes, 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 yes.
1: Of course, a very handsome and tall man. Mm-hmm. He speaks so beautifully, mashallah, at that
0: time. And had he already been. To Mecca for a pilgrimage? Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. This is his first trip This was, out of this America. was
1: 58. Yeah. So I, I spoke to him about it. Then he went to America, back to America, and they were very, uh, very st- staunch uh, followers of Elijah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he would speak. Then they, another Sudanese met him there who also influenced him. Uh... This Sudanese was not like me. Hmm. Uh, he's still alive and uh, he has a very good relationship. He had a good relationship with Malcolm. Now this Sudanese would, uh, after Malcolm speaks, and, then he will stand up and talk. And he says, no, this is not true. Hmm. Uh, because they used to think of Elijah Muhammad as a messenger of God. No, and then he would t- tell them what Islam is. Then they would like to kill him, you know, the, the audience. Mm-hmm. Well, so. Then Malcolm would say, no, no, I have been, I know the Sudanese. I have been in Sudan. He he let him say what he wants to say. So.
0: SubhanAllah. Now, so already Malcolm must have been processing, you know, mm-hmm. experiencing traditional Muslim societies, yes. especially African Muslim societies. Yes, yes. And... Like you mentioned, he was praying. You guys would visit the mosque, and he would pray yeah, with you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and then coming back, he was. He must have already been reflecting on the inc- the inconsistencies or just the differences. Yes.
1: Yes. Maybe at that time, uh, but at that time, he was very uh, uh, he was very staunch. Yeah. Uh, sort yeah. of uh, still, it was black is beautiful sure. and complete that, and,
0: loyalty to elijah muhammad yeah, because also, he said he he said he saved me from prison from my life and, and all these things so he saw yeah. him really as his like savior yeah yeah
1: not only this but he used to believe that uh that the black uh the white people are uh, some uh David or somebody in the past was making experiments. Yeah. And then... Uh, uh, Yaqub. Yaqub. The scientist Yaqub. Yes, 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 yeah. And he made some some uh, mistake. And then it came out, the yeah. white man. You yeah, see, yeah the a,
0: white man is the mistake. He and then seen. was banished from Africa to the caves of Europe, the yeah, Caucasus yes, Caves. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know yeah. the story. He yeah. had
1: all these funny stories. <laughs> yeah. But of course I I would not say to him that this is nonsense uh, I simply tell him about that in Islam we have people who are white we have people mm. who are brown people who are black and the brotherhood of belief mm. is more
0: And what would he say at
1: that He wouldn't uh, he would just uh, put it put it aside mm. uh, But it would seep in his in his subconscious and, and rationally he must have been uh, shaken, you see, by this uh, visit. So uh, I uh, continued, uh, we continued to, to, to write to each other. And uh, uh, we, uh, uh, we, we I, I began to feel that he was actually changing. But the great change happened to him after he started to break away from Elijah Muhammad. Mm-hmm. Then he just went to Hajj, and in Hajj he was really moved to see white people, um, black people, mm-hmm. and then he, he wrote this. I think in Life magazine at the time, mm-hmm. uh, there are black. We sit in the same carpet, we break the same bread. Mm-hmm. They are as white as snow, mm-hmm. and they they don't even are not even conscious of this. Are different, so he was changed completely. And when he became, he changed. He started to remember what I used to talk to him about. So he looked for in the among the hajjis. He saw some people with turbans and white garments. Are you from the Sudan? They said yes. They said. To, they said. To, Do you know a, a man called Malik Bedri? Yes, we know him. Of course, he's. Uh, the son of so-and-so is a very uh, famous man. And he's my father, not me at the time. <laughs> so they tell them, yes, we know him, but he's now in the American University of Beirut. So I was, he came to the American University of Beirut, and he looked for someone who is
0: dark. Right, he changed his plane ticket just to visit you.
1: Yes, and he, this young man told him, uh, do, do you know Malik Bedr? Yes, he's my uncle. He was my nephew. So Allah has made it so, in such a way that. So why? He looked I, for an
0: African, and then the first African he said, "Do you the know first, Malik yes. Yeah, he said,
1: <laughs> and he's living here. This is his, my house was just next to them, to the to the campus. So I I had this small flat. I was living with my wife there and one daughter. So he came, and he rang the. There is this dictaphone where uh, the visitor would press the bell and the telephone would ring up. Mm-hmm. The telephone rang, I took the telephone. Yes, and he said, This is Malik Shabazz. He called himself Malik Shabazz. Shabazz is the eagle, it mm-hmm. seems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I said, You mean Malcolm X? <laughs> he said, Yes, it is him, you know, with that golden voice. Uh-huh. You know. So I just ran. Down the stairs, I met him. We hugged, and they took him up to my uh, to my flat. We we ate lunch, and then uh, he said to me, uh, "I don't like this city, Beirut." Mm-hmm. But I changed my ticket. It was my ticket was Jeddah, uh, Casablanca, New York. I went. I changed it to Beirut, New York, just to see you. So we chatted, and I told him, "Now let us. Uh, we can. I want you to talk in campus." He said, "Yes, I will be happy to do that." Then I said to him, uh, "Okay, I will. I will see to it that." Uh, uh, but then we. I remember in that lunch when we had, he said to me, do "You know, uh, Brother Malik, I'm going back to the states." And I will be shot. I will be killed. Supposedly. But he said it as if he said, "I will be going to to back to the United States, and I'm going to have a good meal, or so, I'm going to as if just matter of fact, just a matter of fact, and without any fear or mm-hmm. whatever." He was quite sure. And then I, how come? He said, "I know. The, I know my people. I I built it, mm. and uh, now." I'm now uh, a true Muslim. they cannot tolerate me and because I'm started to speak about the, the follies of uh, Elijah Muhammad, and they are, they are going to, to to kill me hmm. then I, I i wanted him to speak in the campus, so I went to our head of department, uh, please I want uh, Malcolm X is here. I want him to make a, a talk in campus. No, 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 no! This is a man. I cannot decide on this. You go to the dean. The head of the department was a Christian Maronite. Mm-hmm. Go to the dean. The dean was also a Christian Maronite. Uh, his name is Hanania. I said, Hanania, Dean Hanania, can I uh, want to have comment? No, no, no! This is a man who is. Uh, you go and talk to the vice president. So I went to the vice president. Again, his name is Fuad sarrouf And he was also a, a, great, a great scholar. He was a great scholar. But of course, again, he, he could not decide. I'm sorry, he will have to go to the president. Sure. So the president, his, nom- his name was Norman Burns. So uh, he said to me, you cannot see the president, but I will talk to him whether uh, he will agree or not. So come to me next morning, I said, yeah, I came to him. He said, no, the president said, this man is an enemy of America, and this campus is American, hmm. the campus of the American University of Beirut. He is not allowed to speak in this campus. So I said, OK. So I went to our, we had our uh, Sudanese cultural center, He's only um, uh, facing the American University of Beirut, not far away from it, in the street, the street called Shari Abdelaziz, the street of Abdelaziz. So I went to him and I told the cultural, I didn't uh, talk to him about Malcolm X or his greatness. There is a black American who would like to give a lecture and would like to host him in this. uh, He said, yes, of course. So I told the students, uh, Malcolm X speaks, put signs. So they put it everywhere Malcolm X speaks in the Sudanese Cultural Center. So uh, I was uh, in my house. It was about uh, 7 in the evening. I came. It was The lecture was supposed to start at about 8. So I came with my wife. The students booked two seats for me in the front there. Uh, but when I came, I found the whole road of King Abdul Aziz crowded with people. The whole of the American University came to this small place. Mm-hmm. And the, the road was no traffic in the road. And they put speakers outside for people to hear in the street.
0: So it just shut down the whole street?
1: Shut down
0: the whole street. Uh, then
1: I... Uh, We came, we sat down, and he spoke. I haven't heard a man who speaks in English the way Malcolm speaks. The way I mean, the audience to him are like a piece of mud or plasticine. He can shape it in any way he wishes. I do remember he spoke in in certain, uh, and people became so enthusiastic. That uh, and, and 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 felt a lot of pain. Some, some were tearful, mm. so tears were in their cheeks. I, as 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 a psychologist, I was looking around to see them. Also, mm. the influence of, and then he in this condition he cracks a joke. Mm. Then, still tears in their face, they laugh. Mm.
0: Yes, yes, yeah. So just the oratory ability to deeply affect people and painful realities, and yes. then immediately bring it with a joke yes. and have him cry yes. laughing yes. Yes. in the yes.
1: same yes. moment. Uh, MashaAllah, I think he was really uh, a phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, this is added to his um, to his to the way he looked, his mm-hmm. height, his, uh, the way he can uh, move his uh, the, uh, body language. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was... Um, yeah, I, 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 I said that he and uh, an Egyptian uh, orator, Muslim orator. Mm. To me, these were the most influential mm. people in their talking.
0: What's the Egyptian one?
1: His name is Saeed Ramadan. Mm. He is the father. Oh,
0: Tariq Ramadan's father.
1: Oh, yeah, Tariq Ramadan's father.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he once came to Sudan. And uh, he uh, uh, decided to give a talk in uh, a city which was actually a city of workers. It's called Adbara. This city was was really dominated by by the communist. Uh, and he went into the the, the club, the, the workers' club, very large place. So the club was full of no, no place for anybody to sit. So some people just sat on the wall, mm-hmm. all around the wall, you know, the brick wall, mm-hmm. people were sitting up mm-hmm. there. Then when he spoke and moved people, and he came to, almost to, towards the end of his speech and he spoke very enthusiastically, Allah Akbar, so on then people sitting on the chairs all they were moved they stood up Akbar, Allah, Allah. Mm-hmm. those people on the walls they they forgot they are sitting on a wall mm-hmm. and they tried to stand up they fell from the wall to the ground yes mm-hmm. yeah they they were com- unconscious
0: mm-hmm. yes they yes. were like in a trance
1: by yes like a trance yes, yes. Mm-hmm. i think they these, these two were really uh, Gifted, really gifted uh, people, yeah. So Malcolm, after that, uh, he went back to the States. The American University was good enough now to allow him, when he came again, mm-hmm. to allow him to speak. And he... Uh, and
0: this was when he came back a second time? to. Build. Yes, yes. What do you think changed? Why do you think they changed their...
1: I think they, they, they felt that they that uh, if they don't allow him to speak he will speak somewhere else mm-hmm. and uh, it would not look good on them mm-hmm. you see because they must have known from the, the his speech in the Sudanese cultural center mm-hmm. that it is its a shame not to have allowed him to talk in the campus mm-hmm. uh, maybe even the the president himself would have felt that he did a mistake in uh, refusing to but uh, but but then soon after that he was assassinated
0: so he came a second time and then he yes, yes 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 and so what about like um any personal interactions or personal conversations that stick out or even correspondences with him is there anything that he said or that you said to him that really sticks out that you'll never forget
1: not really, but uh, most of the I mean in you know, our letters, he spoke to me about his uh, his family, his his wife and his daughters, and uh, it was more or less uh, a normal kind of uh, yeah. yes yes friendly, friendship yeah. friendly talk yes mm-hmm. yeah. But then uh, I came to America in nineteen seventy six after uh, the son of elijah Muhammad changed the movement mm. to, uh, to 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 to, 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 to. Yeah. din yes, yes. al-Din. The and then i came to the uh he uh, was invited by the uh, by the, uh, the, the the association of muslim social scientists uh, in america uh, i gave a talk in indianapolis at the time But then they told me, now it is the time for you to stay with us for a few months to to help change the black Muslims. They want to change the true Islam, but we want people to help them to go through this. Mm -hmm. And you are here, so please help us. So I did. I went, they used to call it temples at the time. So I went to Chicago, to the big mosque in there. And I spoke there. I gave a number of lectures on true Islam. And at times, what is al-Din would come and listen. Or at times, he would start the talk, and then after that, I will speak. Uh, then uh, uh, we were told there are a number of temples in different parts in uh, Virginia. Go around and uh, let us attend Jum'a with them. So I went with Dr. Ja'far Sheikh Idris, who was then with me. He was a, a Sudanese philosopher, distinguished Sudanese philosopher. Mm. And he was also helping in the same uh, way. We went to the Juma prayer. Then the khatib uh, of Juma would speak. And would speak the way he speaks in uh, an auditorium. Mm. And then when he speaks uh, enthusiastically... All the people in the Yuma praying would, would shout mm-hmm. Yes brother mm-hmm. go ahead brother you see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and then he started the prayer and he would uh, uh, when he makes ruku, he makes loudly Allah has heard to the one Sama Allah translate it in, in English and he would mm, so he, he would say it loudly you see yes yeah. And the whole prayer was, was co- confusing. and I, Then I, when we were praying like this, shall, shall I continue in this prayer? Because I had with me a group of Muslim uh, brothers, black Muslim brothers, who, who were Sunni, they, they, they had no relationship with the black Muslims, mm-hmm. and they did not wish to come to this temple. But I, I, I asked them to come, and we came. So they were very angry with me. How come you bring us here? We, we wasted the Jum'ah now. And I said, never mind. Let us be helpful to these people. So I prayed this kind of funny Juma, But after that, I came to the, to the, to the imam. Uh, please, this is not uh, what you have done. Is not proper in Islam. It's not correct. He said, this is what I know. I don't know. Mm. You see people cannot in Juma uh, shout and uh, uh, talk and mm-hmm. people should be quiet and to listen to the Imam and then the prayer is supposed to be in this 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 manner. Then he told me I brother I don't know. Mm-hmm. Next Juma you come to us. Mm-hmm. You give the Khutbah and you pray and then you teach us what to do it. Mm-hmm. So I came after that. Then I told these brothers you know, if if we don't do this, then the way he's behaving would be considered as the right way and it would be very difficult to change after that. But now, since Boris, the dean is changing, they are ready to change. So now let us put them in the right track. Yeah, I think it was a very, uh, very, very rich experience at the time. I think it
0: was... Uh, yes yes yeah, yeah. so you spent time with Imam Muhammad and
1: yes 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 and uh, uh, I think at that time even uh, I had a few brothers still i one of uh, two of them came to 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 to, 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 to you to this university and they looked for me but I was in Sudan mm-hmm. uh, one of them is Farrah Khan you
0: know, mm-hmm. Brother Fair Farrakhan.
1: Yeah, so you met him as well? Yes, yes, yes. I met him when I came to Chicago early, and then I met him again. And then he uh, came to Sudan again, and I met him with uh, another brother. I forget his name now. But but we were very we were very intimate together, the other mm-hmm. brother, you see. And then uh, Farrakhan came here. He said, well, Malik is not here. Because I was in Sudan, uh, so I just want to see his kids, you see. So my wife brought the children. Uh, sure. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, we had a, a very intimate relationship at the time.
0: Was Farrakhan still under Imam W.D. Mohammed, Warthuddin Muhammad, Muhammad at then? At that time... Before he broke off. Uh, yeah, he
1: was. He was, uh, he was with him. Mm. But he... It was not quite... Uh, because this other brother, uh, Karim, I think brother Kareem, uh, if I can remember well, he, he after that he wrote to me and he said to me, uh, we want to make a film on Malcolm X. Before the film that was made, a long time before. Mm, before Spike Lee. Mm. Yeah. And he said to me, uh, we would like you to come with uh, James Baldwin oh. yeah, to write the script of the film.
0: Amazing.
1: Uh, because the main intention of the film is to show the, that, that Elijah Muhammad was really a great man who, uh, uh, who had been misunderstood and mistreated. So I I answered him. I said to him, my dear brother uh, Elijah Muhammad. At one time he used to say, "La ilaha illallah." Elijah Muhammad is messenger of Allah. Mm. This man, I uh, was uh, deviant, was astray, was wrong, and I am not ready to come to to try to to write mm. a, a script for a film to to commemorate his. Uh, mm. Yes, him. yes, yes, yes. Mm. To glorify him. Uh, that was uh, the end of uh, of our relationship. But but again, we we they continued and they came to Sudan. I met them after that. Mm. The whole idea of the film was canceled after yeah. that. Yeah. So, did you ever meet James Baldwin? Huh? Did you meet James Baldwin? No, mm. no. But I I read his book, The Fire. Next time, I was quite impressed by his uh, the way he wrote. Uh, particularly, he wrote a few things about the Muslims, mm. Mm, how they protect their women, uh, they they don't uh, eat, uh, they don't drink. Mm-hmm. It was very beautiful words. I, I put it in one of my books, Islam and Alcoholism. Mm. I took the whole quotation, I put it in my book. Mm. Yeah, I didn't meet him, but uh, I wish if I could have met him. He's, he was a great Amazing. writer. Mm-hmm.
0: So if we pivot then, so then you, at some point you come to Kuala Lumpur and you've been here for 20 some years mm. a professor here. Yes. So that was after Beirut?
1: Yes, that was after after, long after Beirut. I uh, I came to the uh, uh, I worked in Saudi Arabia for some time, you see, a long time in like fact, five years I was in the University, at that time it used to be called Riyadh University. Uh, Now it is King Saud University. Uh, I I spent there, uh, in fact, I I was uh, given the title of professor there uh, in 1971. Mm -hmm. So from 1971 until 1977 I was there. Only one year I spent with, uh, with UNESCO in Ethiopia mm. as, a, as an expert in psychology there. But uh, uh, after that, I, because at that time, there was the Sudan politically was under uh, Numeri. And at that time, Numeri was, uh, was communist-oriented. So uh, anybody who had an Islamic leaning or uh, uh, movement oriented in Islam was put in prison. I was in prison for some time. Mm. And then after that, in 1971, he, he, he took over uh, the school was in 1969. So I for two years, I stayed in Sudan and... And it was very difficult, you know. Mm. People following you, mm. wherever you go. Secret police, and, and uh, uh, they were so much influenced by the Soviet Union at mm. the time, to the extent that uh, I remember, we had the uh, the birthday of the Prophet, the There is a in Umdurman where I live. There is a very big place. Uh, which was once the mosque of the Mahdi, of the Khalifa of the Mahdi, the, the, that place will have the Moolid. Then they, 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 they discouraged it mm. and they were preventing people from having the, the usual Islamic ceremonies in it. Mm-hmm. But when Lenin's birthday came, they, they made a, a big uh, show of that. It was, it was really uh, uh, very,
0: very communist oriented. Wow, so they would separate, they celebrated Lenin's birthday, but not they, the Yeah,
1: they birthday. were oh, publicly mm-hmm. celebrating it, but, mm-hmm. but there was no uh, enthusiasm for the birthday of the Prophet. Of course, Nimery overturned and became a, a Sufi, and uh, mm-hmm. he crushed the communists, he hung their leaders. Uh, just because they removed him, of course. They, they tried to, uh, to, to to get rid of him. So during this time, I went to Saudi Arabia. And uh, when uh, this this regime finished and Numeri himself changed, I came back to Sudan. Uh, and this was, uh, it must have been in 1984 or so, I came back to Sudan after the journey of Saudi and Ethiopia. uh, Mm -hmm. But uh, then I came to the University of Khartoum. I didn't come to to Malaysia here until uh, 1991. Mm -hmm. And when I I came here, I had already reached the age of 60. So I was to retire uh, from the University of Khartoum. So I retired. And I decided to uh, make a branch of our university, our private university, which is the, the, the grandchildren's university, mm-hmm. to, to make a branch of it in the, the little uh, town where my father started girls' education, mm-hmm. to make a branch of it there. So I, I, I was happy to go there. My brother, who was the president of the university, was happy. Uh, the minister of higher education told me to, to put this in writing. I made the application. Uh, he agreed. and then, uh, But before he agreed, I had already found the location, the building, everything. I was ready to go. Then uh, uh, this Saudi, Abd hamid Abu Suleiman who was director of this university, International Islamic University, came to Sudan, and he was looking for me. He wanted to bring me to UIA here. And then he went and visited the minister of higher education. Where is Malik Badri, He said, Malik is uh, going to start a branch of his university in the little town, so on and so He said, don't approve to him.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, anybody can start a branch. But nobody can do work on Islamic psychology the way Malik is doing. I want him in, in, in Kuala Lumpur. So he said to me, I, I, the minister told me, I'm sorry, I cannot uh, mm-hmm. approve you this. You should go to Kuala Lumpur. I do remember this very well, because these days I, uh, I came. My mother was still alive at the time. So I, she did not want me to go to, to the little town. Mm-hmm. So I said, OK, now, this is finished. But I'm going to Kuala Lumpur. I'm going to Malaysia. Will you agree if I go? She said, yes. Then uh, I, I, I got a ticket from air ticket. You remember at that time, the air tickets were a number of pages in which, with carbon copies, things like this. Yeah, so I got one ticket like this, and then I I was to take a connection in uh, in uh, Oman. Hmm. But then, while I was waiting there, then I I see that uh, uh, everybody in the air, in the airport in Khartoum was stopped, and there was a then a, a red carpet was put. And uh, our plane, we were, we were not allowed to take the, the plane, you see. It was late. Then what is happening? What is happening? They say Gaddafi all of a sudden decided to come to Sudan. Mm-hmm. So we just waited. I was looking at the, from the window. I see, you see Gaddafi coming and the, the music and so. So I lost my connection. Mm-hmm. So I took back my bag and went back home. Then... Uh, I told them I'm sorry I couldn't come, uh, so they said never mind, forget this. We'll send another ticket to you. So they sent another ticket, and I came uh, after this was after a week or so. Then I put my bags uh, to be weighed. Then the man told me when uh, processing the ticket, he said, "I am very sorry, you cannot travel. Why?" He said, because in Kuala Lumpur, the agent, instead of cutting the um, the copy, he cut the actual ticket. Mm. So you'll have to go back. You cannot travel. So I took my bag again for the second time. I went back home, and I went straight to my mother. Ma- mother, if you don't like me to travel, tell me don't travel. I will not travel. <laughs> But if you, uh, please, just tell me exactly. Is it you don't want me to travel? She said, no, son, now I really didn't like, but now I, so you can travel, yes.
0: You didn't have the eden yet.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, alhamdulillah, I came. It was, it was in 1991. I came as visiting professor. And then in 1992, I came to take this the job on the state for, for more than 20 years, Mm. yes.
0: So let's talk a little bit about your work because Mm. um, when we talk about psychology, Mm. um, and you being a pioneer in this field of putting the 1400 year tradition of Islamic psychology, Mm. which is incredibly rich and incredibly deep, putting that in conversation with modern Western psychology. Mm. So if you could just, you know, give a a short, a brief reflection on what is the difference between the Islamic understanding of the psyche or the soul versus the kind of modern Western? Yes, yes.
1: You see, this goes back to my uh, uh, when I first came to Beirut. It's the same thing, you know, I told you about. This reaction. Uh, then, when I studied psychology, then it was it was Freud. You see, it was uh, the Oedipus complex, mm-hmm. and it was uh, psychosexual development. Mm-hmm. And the baby, when he is born, sucking his mother's breast again, it is a sexual thing. Mm-hmm. And when uh, then the sex, the libido, would go to the uh, the anal areas and mm. then in the anal stage—all this nonsense.
0: Right. Everything. Every problem with every person has to do with their early sexuality and, and, and issues like they want to have sex with their mother and their. their, yes, their all these yes, yes. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. I think that uh, uh, at that time, and then the, the idea about uh, about about God to 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 to, to Freud himself. That psychoanalysis came to free man from from the superstition of religion right. and the
0: religion is pathology, right?
1: Yes, yes, Part yes, and that uh, uh, obsessional uh, rituals, is, religion is like the 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 obsessive compulsive disorder of humanity.
0: Right. He even saw it as like a an issue with the father, right? The God, yes, yes, being this supernatural father, yes, and this, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes.
1: So I. Uh, This was very confusing to to, to young people at the time. I did not accept it, and I argued against that. And then, uh, particularly about his therapy also again, then uh, I will be told, if you don't accept, give us the alternative. There was no alternative in the 50s. So I, uh, I was... In a dilemma, as what to, uh, what to think, how to, uh, how the idea of Islamization came to me at that time, through the work of Muhammad Qutb. Mm. You know this little book that he wrote uh, in Arabic; it is called "Shubuhat Hawla islam in English, the book is translated as "Islam: The Misunderstood Religion." He had a chapter on Freud mm. and on psychoanalysis, and I was moved by the way he. Yeah. Mm. And I think Muhammad Qutb and Abu al-A'la Maududi, mm-hmm. both of these great scholars, did a lot of service to to young people, mm-hmm. and. Of course, Sayyid Qutb as well. Now, these people uh, were talking about what we call today Islamization. In the 40s and 50s, no other person was talking like that. And when Muhammad Qutb, he says, when he started to criticize Freud, the whole of the Egyptian psychological uh, Society and uh, psychologists, who are you to criticize Freud? Mm-hmm. Now we, uh, I, I, I think it was at that time that I started to think about an Islamic approach to what we study, but I didn't have an a, a clear alternative at the time. I was young, a st- student still in the mm-hmm. freshman. But all the time, I try to, to find an Islamic approach to uh, I do remember, uh, in, uh, even as a freshman, they we are supposed to write a paper. I, I, I used to keep all these papers. I wrote a paper, Islam and iconosla- Iconoclastic Movement. I wrote this just at, as, for, for, as a term paper which was uh, highly rated by the professor at the time. But it was this that I I was comparing comparing this with Christianity and other religions, where people uh, worship images, worship uh, statues. Then uh, in a psychology course on uh, child development, I wrote child development in Islam. Uh, course on this uh, social movements i wrote about ikhwan al muslimun as a social movement so it is uh, i think I, I was at even at that time i was after a form of islamizing the mm-hmm. the my, my field but uh, i only took uh, uh, this approach more seriously when i I was in Jordan in the University of Jordan, and uh, I made a public lecture at that time. You see here Western psychology is not all uh, uh, western some parts of it are uh, are are really scientific, and in this sense, we need to actually to be able to differentiate between what is uh, proper and what is uh, um, and that is why I used to say at the time, uh, people who try who to, to, to bring Islam into, for example, statistical society or in uh, experimental psychology, st- studying reaction time or learning by condition, these are, they have nothing to do with. Uh, if you are a good Muslim, you will appreciate how Allah created this associative ability in humans so that they can associate between two things and give a new thing that some of the characteristics of the old things, it's not, I mean, a dog or a bell rings and he salivates. It's not something by which we, we try to say everything in this world is association and there is no truth. This has nothing to do with the truth. Right.
0: Yes. Was that behaviorism? behaviorism? Yes, this is
1: behaviorism,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. This mean, idea that every... The human beings are just reacting to stimuli. Yes. And that there's nothing beyond that. It's just...
1: It's, there is no truth.
0: There's no truth. Yeah, there's no I morality. Mean, there's no... There's...
1: Most of these behaviorists start in the laboratory, but end up as philosophers. Mm-hmm. Look at Skinner, for example. His work as Ferris is simply... Reinforcing uh, a rat in a, a Skinner's box, and when he presses a certain lever, then food would come, and then this is reinforced. I mean, this is simple. I mean, people knew this uh, since uh, centuries before uh, Skinner came. I mean, this this idea of uh, of uh, training an animal by successive approximations to a certain end gradually, if uh, you deprive him of food and then uh, you give him a little food to go to one direction and then to, until he learns how to catch a prey for you without eating it, waiting for you to take the, the rabbit or to take whatever he catches. Now, this is conditioning, at the highest level of conditioning of Pavlov, but to go from this, and to say there is no truth in this world—that uh, everything is—he uh, he, he ended up as a philosopher when he wrote his book uh, *Beyond Freedom and Dignity*. Is this philosophy? It's not. Uh, it's not psychology. It's not science.
0: Well, this is one of the problems, right? Because when we talk about the hard sciences, you know. Um, like you mentioned chemistry and all these things, there's certain observable phenomena, but the social sciences studying the societies and human beings and and these things, it's not all cut and dry. Mm. And you mentioned in in the book Contemplation about how that's why in like physics, for instance, there can be a a paradigm shift where there's a paradigm, you know, Newtonian worldview. And then all of a sudden the, the... research shows that it's inconsistent with reality. Mm. And so then it's overthrown. But in psychology, there's not really that type of thing. There's different views and different schools of thought. But none actually overcomes the other Mm. and becomes the king because in a certain sense, it's it's having to do with the subjective self, right? Yes, 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 yes. I think
1: even though... For example, now, even though uh, Freudian psychoanalysis has been exposed, Mm -hmm. uh, now there is this Johnson, she has uh, written a book, Uh, Freud and Cocaine. And she showed clearly that Freud, quite a lot of these bizarre theories, uh, uh, sexual theories, he wrote while he was uh, addicted to cocaine. He had a problem in his nose and he used to to sniff cocaine to to relieve the pain. Then he became addicted to it. So uh, here, I think, in spite of this fact and in spite of the fact that it has been clearly shown that he was lying concerning his treatment of some of the patients which he mentioned, like this this case of... uh, of this young lady whom he said he begins to develop some paralysis, difficulties in talking, and then he and he Broglie, they said, they treated her, and then they discover that she, she actually had a, 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 a physical disease, uh, something, a form of meningitis, mm. and she was in a Swiss hospital. You know, that the, the historian of psychology went all the way he found the card that she has written to a very old friend in Vienna. He took the card. The card, the writing is not clear. He drove it all the way to Canada. They used some fluorescent light to bring out f- faded uh, writing. It came up that in, she went to the hospital in Switzerland, and he, he found her file. She, she was the symptoms that Freud described as psychological, were actually physical. But still, you will find any textbook of psychology bringing this, this lady and saying how Freud treated her and how she came to this. I think that, uh, as you said, there is no paradigm shift. For example, uh, it's true that uh, we had a, a, a revolution Really, behavior therapy, when it's first appeared, and the the famous study by by Isaac, in which he compared thousands of patients who received psychoanalytically oriented treatment and those who did not find beds in hospitals and where uh, they received no treatment at all, he found that uh, after one year, two-thirds of the first group improved, He found those who received no therapy, also two-thirds improved. Mm. And it was like a bombshell in the face of psychoanalysis. Uh, This was like it could have made a a paradigm shift, but it didn't make Mm. all theories of psychology and practices. They seem to continue uh, side by side in spite of... uh... Yeah, I think that... uh, We need to differentiate. When we come to to scientific psychology, that aspects of psychology that are really scientific, you will find that it is only in a no man's land, very small area, where psychology mixes with pure sciences. For example, perception, how we see, how we hear, mm-hmm. uh, uh, optical illusions. This, this is science. When you come to physiological psychology, it's physiology and psychology mixing together. Mm-hmm. You come to genetic psychology. You come to behavior genetics. You mm-hmm. come to, uh, uh, to 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 psychopharmacy, or uh, mm-hmm. they, these are all uh, a small a small between the two, no miles length between psychology and these fields. And also when the scientific method is used in a, a, a proper manner, even in, in social psychological research, this is accepted. But other than that, even those, those, those results that you get in social psychological studies in the United States cannot be up, uh, applied or accepted in other cultures. For example, this Famous experiment whereby uh, some some person would come and uh, 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 f- they cheated the uh, what wh- the, the, the the subject uh, telling him that uh, 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 he is going to to say uh, 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 to press a button to electrocute someone if he made a mistake and then. Uh, every time they tell him increase the current, the man comes in a white uh, white uh, coat of scientist and tells him, give him more, give him more. And the person would give him more. And then that fellow, would, would uh, the light will come out in his cabin and he knows that uh, he's being electric, but he's not electric. Then he shouts, ah, I'm going to die. So, but he continues. Mm. So he says that, People under um, the influence of uh, of someone who is really supposed to be a scientist right. or not, then they will do dangerous. I don't think this will apply in other cultures hmm. yeah i am. I'm, I'm very sure I mean if this was done in a, in a country like a Muslim country like Saudi Arabia or even in the Sudan today, I'm sure he will say to, to the man. Even though he's in this uh, uh, white cannot, lab coat, yeah, I cannot kill the man. You see, what what are you going to do? Yeah. Well, do
0: you think that because you know, some, I've heard someone say that um, in the medieval period of Europe, you know, if someone with a black coat came and said, "This is the truth," right, the priest, yeah, you would say, "Okay." We, but now, it's someone in a white coat comes, mm. a scientist, right? When they want to advertise a, a product, they say. You know, nine out of ten doctors prefer this medicine. And then people say, okay, we'll accept. The white lab coat, those are now the new priesthood (laughs) of the secular society. Yes, So in the West, it's true.
1: Yes, I think that somebody spoke about psychology as being a religion. mm -hmm. And that the priests are the psychologists. And I think there is some truth in this. Uh, today we hear that uh, even uh, that it has been discovered that uh, if a child is brought up, it, it, such and such a thing will happen to him, or uh, 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 if you um, sleep early and so on. Mm-hmm. If you if you are deprived from sleep, this will happen to you. I mean, all of these things, people, they will take for granted. It is true. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yes. So it is really, uh, I think, um, Muslim psychologists today will have to look at two important aspects. The fairest one is whether uh, the material is really scientifically true or is it... Um, the ideas of the therapist, and here the 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 the, the prejudice of uh, of those who talk about research uh, is 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 even clear in what in so called scientific studies. For example, look at this study, in which this uh, American scientist compared the brains of homosexuals with heterosexuals. According to him. And then he came and said that the brains of homosexuals, their um, uh, some part of their brain um, is uh, uh, is different. You see, uh, mm. a certain structure is different from uh, heterosexual. Therefore, homosexuality is inherited. It is in our genes. It, it's obviously. It, I mean as soon as such a thing comes out then all the the papers mm-hmm. the cnn everybody speak an an uh, a, a, a heritability heritab, her, of homosexuality has been proved by science hmm? mm-hmm. then scientists go to repeat the study and they discover that all the homosexuals that he has uh, he has examined the hypothalamus has been affected because they all died, or most of them died from AIDS. Mm. It's, not, it's not because mm. they are homosexual. Mm. It is because the AIDS virus has, has had its effect in changing the structure of their, uh, of their brains. Mm. And also, the, those people... So you people. can't
0: prove causation by that? No, <laughs> no, no,
1: no. And also those people whom he took as a control group, uh, those people, when he did the postmortem and found that their hypothalamus is in some way different, because he did not even know their history before whether they were homosexual or whether heterosexual. But when the the study is corrected, mm-hmm. nobody would write it about it. No CNN will say that we have discovered this was all all false. So indeed, I think even in, in in some scientific aspects we need to be careful about uh, about these deductions uh, as muslims and then this is one aspect you see we should be sure about the the, the level of scientific level of uh. the second thing is whether it is culturally uh, because now when we talk about culture we are not only talking about western culture culture vs Islamic culture. We are also talking about different cultures in different Muslim countries. Sure. Yeah, uh, and for example, here in Malaysia, you can't see people rarely uh, fighting, shouting at each other.
0: Uh, very calm and Very people. calm
1: and yes. Yeah. You go to Sudan or to Iraq. And every day you will have to see people shouting, uh, "Yeah, yeah, and yeah!" This is the, so the, the the cultures themselves differ. I think it is not only uh, uh, Islam as a culture, but, but Islam as a worldview makes people similar. A very important study was done in Harvard by one psychologist, Pakistani psychologist. His name is Shehabuddin Mughni. And he took about 50 different Muslim countries and he made a special study and he discovered that there, is, there are quite a lot of similarities in the modern personalities of people, whether they are in Afghanistan or whether they are in Nigeria or whatever it is. So it is true, Islam is a worldview and we need to see this. Uh, when we come to apply psychological principles, we need to take this into consideration. We need to, uh, 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 we as Muslims, the therapist believes in Islam, he believes in its applications, he believes, because Islam is is like a world view that covers everything. Now, uh, and the patient is, is like him. So it is not, you cannot say to, to a counselor, "Don't bring religion into uh, this." This is un, untrue and, and not useful. In a number of cases, in my own therapy, as soon as I, I the patient begins to talk about his guilt and so, and then we this is easily gone into his feeling of that Allah has has rejected him. Or that he had done some some serious things, and he feels he's bad I just this the treatment here for him, mm-hmm. the treatment would be an Islamic approach sure. of the his his wrong conception about the nature of God, the way he was brought sure. up yeah
0: it's it's yeah uh, sure yeah, so do you think because we talk, basically we're talking about this idea in general that You have this kind of materialist, reductionist paradigm in the modern secular world, which says all we are is kind of neurons firing in the brain and we're a response to stimuli. But uh, Islam, and not only Islam, but traditional cultures in general, taught that there's something deeper about the human being. That there's a soul, there's a ruh, there's a spirit. There is... uh, an eternal aspect, actually, yes. that inhibits the body. And what's interesting about, okay, many different cultures are different, but almost unanimously across human societies in the pre-modern period, people believe this. And, yes. this. and um, you know... I follow a little bit about these the philosophical discussions about the nature of consciousness, no. the hard problem of consciousness. Mm-hmm. How what how do you explain conscious experience? That there's something that it's like to be me. Yeah. That I experience. Yeah. So do you feel like in, in in the time of your life from talk about the 50s where Freud was in vogue till now, Freud is you know they it's, teach him as a historical artifact, but it's yeah. not taken seriously. Yeah. Do you feel like things are changing, that people are opening up the, the paradigms more, or that people are more likely to consider other alternative paradigms, or the idea of the spirit, or, or, yeah. or that consciousness may be non reductionist, non material?
1: Mm. Yes, I think uh, if you look at psychology, talking about consciousness. At that time, even they didn't wish to talk about consciousness. A famous British psychologist said that psychology, Western psychology, fairest, uh, uh, threw away its uh, its consciousness, and then it threw away its mind, and accordingly, now it is like a body, a dead body without, uh, without a mind, without consciousness. Uh, he was talking about behaviorism. You see, behaviorism did not like words like mind, like uh, consciousness, like spirit. You see, so uh,
0: because they're immeasurable, right? Yes, they can't yes, be tested.
1: yes. They wanted. Anything to, to, for it to be scientific must be observed. Mm-hmm. And since we cannot observe consciousness, it is just like the soul. It is something which is uh, untrue. can observe the observer. Yes, yes. Yeah. I think this, this attitude, if you look at the 50s, and you look at what is happening today, you will see that the whole field of psychological sciences is moving Towards a recognition of the uh, of the unseen, and in this sense, even as you now spoke about physics, even physics itself is changing. Yeah, the paradigm of physics is changing, though many psychologists still cling to, the, to an old conception of uh, of physics, but. This is in time is changing. We are having people like Scott Peck talking about uh, spirituality. You know, his book, uh, the fact that his book, uh, The Road Less Traveled, written early in the late 60s and 70s, is is, is still a bestseller. And the fact that it continued, it broke the record. This book, when he wrote it, it was in the bestsellers list uh, for more than ten years, which was has not happened to any other uh, any other book. Now, why is that? People were were even in the West they were looking for such a thing. So, uh, indeed, I think the Western world. Western psychology will will come if it is in our own lifetime, in my own lifetime, my first book in textbook of psychology speaks about uh, telepathy, clairvoyance, and all these transpersonal uh, phenomena as nonsense. I I still remember this. And they begin to say, it is only at times coincidences. You see a friend in your dream, and then tomorrow you see him, but you have seen him a hundred other times, but you didn't and only it's only now. this is a matter of uh, and then they speak about uh, cognitive uh, 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 prophetic dreams as also uh, stupid and something nonsense and no, no psychologist actually believed in, in this phenomena at the time. Now it is a different case now I see. It is the lifetime of one person. Now in half a century, I could see there is a big change. People do not accept that particularly behaviorism came as a revolution against psychoanalysis. But it failed, it only helped uh, phobias, um, obsessions, things that can be put in a stimulus response paradigm. But then the cognitive revolution came to talk about thought and beliefs. Now the the third wave, the first wave was was behaviour therapy. The second wave is cognitive psychology, the cognitive revolution. Now the third wave of of of, uh, of, of cognitive behaviour therapy is is going to, uh, uh, to to the contemplation of the Buddhists yeah. And they are going to end. Yes, yeah. This all of these aspects of uh, which are coming new terms in psychology. I think we are witnessing a, 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 a slow revolution into coming back into accepting uh, the spiritual in psychology. I mean, look at this uh, work of uh, uh, positive psychology. Now, that psychology has all the time been uh, talking about uh, trying to become like a medical science and trying to to talk about pathology. Mm -hmm. They are very good in talking about pathological aspects, but not about the positive aspects in humans. All of that is leading to a new era, Mm -hmm. which is coming, inshallah.
0: So... Do you think that, and we'll wrap it up now because we've taken a lot of your time, but um, what do you think in the Islamic tradition, what do you think that the Islamic tradition has to offer Western psychology? When we talk about ilm al-nafs or even when we talk about tasawwuf as like the science, Mm. not necessarily all aspects of it, but the actual understanding of you know, this profound, like, the signs and symptoms of the diseases of the heart and the cures of the heart. yeah, like So what do you think that Islamic tradition could offer?
1: Yeah, I think that uh, first of all, let me talk about the... Uh, let me talk about these aspects of... Uh, of, of small area of therapy. Mm-hmm. Now, with the... Uh, Islamic cognitive therapy, Islamically oriented cognitive therapy, we are having a lot of successes in this area. Mm. I um, have been working in a hospital in Sudan, psychiatric hospital, and I had just mm-hmm. finished my training in, in behavior therapy, but I was using an Islamically oriented behavior therapy in fact, I was using cognitive therapy before cognitive therapy became a, a, a well So I will uh, come and uh, see the patient, and then we will discuss uh, his his beliefs, his problems from a uh, an Islamic point of view, where he is. He was wrong in 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 in. in, in in, in bringing conclusions from from wrong assumptions. Mm. And then we, we try to correct it, they improve. I remember the the chief psychiatrist was a uh, was uh, a well-known uh, psychiatrist. In fact, one, he's one of the fathers of psychiatry in Sudan. And he would tell me now you have gone to London you learned learn the new technique all the cases in which we failed to treat a psychiatrist 5% he called them my 5% you see or our 5% we will send to you and to see what you can do they, they come to me and they improve they improve uh, dramatically not because of of cognitive behavior, but because of the spiritual aspect that I introduce. For example, I have a patient, he had the phobia of death because his mother used to love him most. His mother died, then he saw her in a dream telling telling him, "Uh, your cousin so-and-so will join me quickly, then it is your turn. Then he said, my cousin is still young, nothing. Then he received the message. At that time, it was a telegram. Your, your cousin died in a car crash. So he said, then it is me, it is me. Then he started to develop a terrible phobia of death. Mm. Uh, and then he came to this psychiatrist. They gave him, uh, he, he became very depressed. He doesn't go to his work, so on. Then they 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 gave him drugs as uh, antidepressants. It didn't work. They gave him electroconvulsive therapy. They uh, they tried uh, some of them who are psychoanalytically oriented at that time tried to help him. Uh. Then they they failed. they sent him to me. Then I tell him now relax. I used at that time. Uh, some form of electrical stimulation of the brain that makes the person go to sleep and relax. It's called electro sleep therapy. But I use it only to help relaxation. Mm-hmm. When he is fully relaxed, then I tell him, Because oh, he was a religious man. Mm-hmm. Now imagine yourself going to Hajj. Mm-hmm. Now you can see the people around the Kaaba so, mm-hmm. and so on. Yes. Now you are in front of the grave of the Prophet. So- His eyes are closed, Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Then the tears stream from his closed eyes. What is death? Is death the end of things? Or is it the beginning of a new life? We begin to talk about this while he was relaxed. And we go step by step by step. And then in a short time he started to change. Then, when did your mother tell you she will join, you, join the other fellow? Uh, when your mother is speaking from another world, when she says you are next, next may be after 70 years. It may be, after, it does it, because to them time is different than our time here. Yeah. So this next doesn't mean that it's quick. Then we go on through this And then I take him, when he improved, I took him to where patients were dying in the hospital, to look at terminal patients. And then they are dying, what is this? This Then all of a sudden he, he came to me in one morning, smiling. Today I have done something I never thought I would do. Our neighbor, his grandmother, died. I went to the graveyard. In the past, I used to not to pass, to come near the graveyard. Mm-hmm. I went, I dug the grave, and we had to very hard. Mm-hmm. I, I feel, I feel I'm, I'm a different man now. What could, can be treated other than this? Mm-hmm. So indeed, if we want to treat Muslim patients, we will have to bring Islam into consideration. Particularly, there are some cases which can never be treated without this Islamic aspect. A patient I had who had the phobia of ghosts. She would sit in the balcony when her husband goes to work. They have no children. She would sit in the balcony until he comes from work. Fear of being alone in a room. Mm -hmm. Now, how could she be treated? I tried. It did not. My my therapy didn't work. But then I remembered there is a sheikh who is very well known in the in the area. I I sent her to him. She sat with him. He read some Quran over her. He did this. She improved mm. because he has the ways of of. Uh. Mm. So indeed, I think we are we are a different culture, mm-hmm. and uh, at times our Western-minded psychiatrist or even European psychiatrist may mistake uh, a patient, a woman who comes and says, I think uh, my husband married another woman and she did some witchcraft on me and uh, he will consider her as, uh, schizophrenic, mm-hmm. that this is accepted in her. Uh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So indeed, I think I think that we cannot, we cannot help a patient who is a good Muslim, or even who, any Muslim, mm-hmm. without actually uh, bringing these references into consideration.
0: Yeah, you have to really understand and acknowledge and honor someone's paradigm and their worldview and their yes. beliefs. And, yes, yes,
1: really. yes, indeed, yes, indeed. Okay. So uh, I, I feel that uh, our Muslim psychologists and psychiatrists should not just go on reading American textbooks and try to apply whatever they read as. uh. Mm -hmm.
0: And And there's so many, within America, you know, there's all these movements, there's transpersonal psychology, like you mentioned, there's mindfulness. Yeah. They're starting to teach like tafakkur or contemplation and meditation in the Juvenile hall, or the prisons, or the hospitals for terminally ill people, and they're finding that with silence, with tra- these traditional spiritual practices, that people improve. Yes, and that they benefit. Yes, yes, and, yes. Uh, perhaps there's a there's a hidden treasure within our tradition of yes. <clears throat>
1: yes, that... I know. I I know of many people who who were uh, uh, drug addicts. They were alcoholics. They were uh, depressed people who uh, go to, to some uh, sheikh, take a tariq, and then all of a sudden you find that they, even physically they look different. Mm. I do remember when I was in this hospital in, uh, in Khartoum working, then I received an invitation uh, to, to help do uh, research on traditional medical practices. Uh, I was I became a member of traditional medical practices in uh, the WHO uh, office mm-hmm. in Geneva, and they told me to do some uh, study on uh, traditional medical practices in Sudan and uh, Ethiopia and, uh, and Saudi. I I went to in Sudan uh, to uh, uh, I said I will go and study the work of one of the most famous traditional Spiritual healers, and then I do remember we had two patients in the hospital whom we failed to treat and uh, when I went to the to that place, it is far away from from the capital, when I went there, I went wearing a Sudanese garment and the turban just to, uh, to to become unknown, mm. so I will just go there and see, observe how he treats and, 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 and I was thinking of myself as a scientist, stupidly so. So I went there, but when I went there, they took us to a large room with all the passengers who came in the bus and we were lying on the on the carpet to sleep. But then all of a sudden I heard one man coming in and then another fellow with his friend Dr. Malik, Dr. Malik, these are the patients we failed to treat in the hospital in Khartoum. Mm. They came here and they were treated by the Sheikh and they became, they stayed there to help in running the the whole, uh, yeah. So they, I was at once taken from that place to a special room and I met the Sheikh and I, uh, I spoke with him and uh, he told me about what he does. I wrote all this down in my paper to the WHO. <laughs> Traditional
0: so it healers. Is, yes, 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 indeed. Mm-hmm. Alhamdulillah, um, your life and legacy is uh, is a great one. And um, hopefully it, it will continue to benefit us. Inshallah, in inshallah, inshallah. You also are a healer in, in, in your way. Especially combining the, tr- the tradition with modern science, and that's what we need in this. Area. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I love thank, this Thank you. Thank you. No thank you very so much. much. Thank you for listening to Path and Present Podcast. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so in a few ways. One is word of mouth, people hear about the podcast mostly people like you who listen and like it and say, I know someone who would connect with this, feel this, would enjoy this subject matter. So continue to share with your family and friends. Secondly, you can subscribe, rate and comment um, on the iTunes page of Path and Present. Subscribing means that the podcast, will, each episode will come directly to you when we release it. And rating and commenting means that it will be grow and uh, come up in the iTunes rankings, which will allow it to be uh, available and uh, seen by more people. And then lastly, you can support financially on Patreon. Patreon is a site which allows people to give a small amount monthly to support art or any type of content. And we have a Path and Present page on Patreon. The link is on our SoundCloud page, SoundCloud slash Path and Present, and you'll find the Patreon link there. And yeah, you can support there. We're greatly appreciative of it. Uh, I guess lastly, lastly, keep us in your prayers, your positive thoughts, and your moments of remembrance. And thank you for tuning in and being part of the global Path and Present family.